You're listening to the Dwell on These Things podcast, a regular dose of Christ-centered encouragement to put your mind in a better place. Listen in as Pastor John Stonge shares Bible studies, interviews, training, and some of his most recent sermons. We're glad to have you with us today. You're listening to the Dwell on These Things podcast. I'm John Stonge, and today we have a great guest with us that I'm really looking forward to introducing to you in just a moment. But before I do, let me tell you a little bit about him. So our guest today is a New York Times bestselling author who just released a new book called Mysteries of the Messiah, Unveiling Connections from Genesis to Today. The foreword was written by Kathy Lee Gifford, who also co-wrote with him his previous book, The Rock, The Road, and The Rabbi. So our guest today is none other than Rabbi Jason Sobel. And Rabbi Jason, we welcome you to dwell on these things. Hey, shalom, shalom. It's great to be with you. Well, it's great to have you with us, and I'm really excited to discuss the message of your new book, but even before we get into the details of the content of the book, I'd love if you could just maybe tell us a little bit more about yourself and how things have been going over the past few weeks since your new book launched. It's a very exciting time for you. Yeah, absolutely. I grew up in the Holy Land, New Jersey, (laughs) where there were more. (laughs) That's right, where there were more Jews than in Jerusalem. Yeah, I grew up in a Jewish family. Went to Hebrew school as a child. Bar mitzvah. Was working in the music industry. Looked at the lives of all these famous people. Said there has to be more to life than just this. Began a spiritual journey. Started studying with my rabbi you know, going to synagogue and for the Sabbath Shabbat, but also started studying martial arts, yoga, and through that kind of became a Jew boo, a Jewish Buddhist, a new age Jew, and uh, was meditating, would meditate for hours a day. One day I was meditating and my soul began to vibrate. It left my body. I went into heaven. I saw this king on this throne, high and lifted up. And I felt the, the presence of God, the power of God, And I knew this king on the throne was Jesus, his Hebrew name, Yeshua. I mean, I knew nothing about Jesus. I grew up with Jews and Catholics uh, as a kid. No one had ever shared the gospel with me. In fact, I thought Jesus was a nice Jewish boy who became a Roman Catholic because I didn't know any kids by the name of Jesus or (laughs) mothers by the name of Mary. (laughs) So I thought I had no, no. So I had this experience. I'm down in my body running around saying, I'm called to serve Jesus. My mom's like, you're called to serve who were Jewish for crying out loud. But I mean, I, I really, I had no context for him. I just thought he was some sort of God man. But my best friend, John called me on the telephone. He said, Jason, uh, do you think you could tell the difference between the old and the new Testament? You went to Hebrew school as a child. I said, sure. He read me this passage. He was bruised for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities by his stripes were healed. He said, Jason, older, new. I said, clearly that's Jesus. It's a New Testament. He said, no, that's Isaiah 53, the Mm -hmm. Jewish prophet. I began to be provoked to jealousy, attended a messianic congregation with him where Jews who believe in Jesus go, got tricked into faith through praying a prayer of salvation through Rabbi Jonathan Kahn and uh, (laughs) gave me the first New Testament ever seen, went home, read it, was blown away how Jewish it was, the Messianic prophecies, and what Jesus said to me in that encounter in heaven was the verse from the New Testament, which I'd never read. I was like, okay, he's the one Moses and the prophet spoke of, gave my life to him, 
My mom found the New Testament. She's like, what is this that I found in your room? Don't tell me. Come one of those Jews who believe in Jesus. I knew you'd do something like this and break my heart. You joined a cult. Go meet with the rabbi. So I had to get out my, my Hebrew Bible and underline all of the passages. And that's really what led me on this journey to even writing this book, Mysteries of the Messiah, because I really had to figure out very quickly in order to support my faith in Jesus as the Messiah, you know, how the old and the new connect. Wow. That, that's, that's a fascinating story. And you, and you, you uh, alluded to something I was very curious about how your family reacted to your newfound faith in Christ and, and, and how that went. That, that had to be, that had to be a pretty big moment in the history of your family and just the nature of your relationships at home. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, my parents were very uh, concerned. Uh, my family thought I was, there's a Yiddish word, mashugana, crazy. In <laughs> fact, my grandmother had on my mom's side, I mean, most of my family was lost in the Holocaust. My grandmother actually had to make a decision who she was going to save first with the visa that she got her mom and her dad or her brother and his wife and their newborn baby. Crazy story, how she was able to save her brother. They cross over the Alps. I mean, it's like sound of music type of story. Mm-hmm. And so when she heard about my faith in Jesus, she actually disowned me for a long right. time. In fact, she did a, a a video for the Steven Spielberg Foundation, the Shoah Foundation. And she gave it to me later on after she welcomed me back into her life. And she gave me the video to have it on the video that said, do you have any grandchildren? I was the only grandchild. She said, my, I have one grandson. He's done something so bad. I can't even talk about him. Mm. So yeah, it's definitely not easy to be a Jewish believer in Jesus a lot of times, but uh, thank God my parents, as they saw how my faith in Yeshua, Jesus didn't make me less Jewish, but it actually made me more Jewish because I realized that everything that I'd done as a child, all the holidays, the customs, the prayers, in one way or the other, they all pointed to the Messiah and therefore all pointed to Jesus. Right. And so therefore it gave me new life, new life to those things in ways that I could never have imagined. That's exciting to hear. And I, and I love your perspective because sometimes I think people miss the whole point of what the scriptures are trying to teach and, and, and just the, the grand narrative that flows all throughout the scriptures, that it's trying to point us to Christ. And in, in your new book, Mysteries of the Messiah, that's something that you're really trying to emphasize. That's something you're really helping people capture. And so we're going to talk a little bit about this, but let me let me ask this first. So as believers in Christ, Obviously, I think it's critical that we take time to value the scriptures. I think it's time for us to, um, or that it's important for us to learn the scriptures. And you obviously have a deep appreciation for the Word of God, even before we started our our interview here. Uh, Rabbi Jason and I were just talking about some of the common professors and, and mentors that we had when we were doing our training and and schooling. One in particular, John Salehammer, we mentioned, and and um, and so there are people that have invested in us and, and taught us the scriptures, and and it's certainly. Uh, uh, obvious that you value and appreciate the Word of God. And I'd be curious to know, especially with what you've just shared with us regarding your testimony, how your appreciation for the Scriptures developed over the course of your life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the first thing that's important to think about is, you know, we're called first and foremost to be disciples. I mean, the Great Commission is go make disciples of all nations. And I think a lot of times when people think about think about the Great Commission, they think about go save people. But that's not actually what it says, right? It says, go make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey 
everything that I've commanded you, right? So really the first step in, in discipleship is salvation is coming to a knowledge of who Jesus is, but that's just the first step. Right. And so the reality is that both in the Hebrew and in the Greek, the Greek, the, for disciple, the Hebrew word is a uh, Talmud uh, for a guy or Talmudim in the plural Talmudah for a female. And it literally means a learner, both in Hebrew and in Greek. So if you want to be a disciple, you have to be a lifelong learner. In fact, I don't think you can really be a lover of the Lord if you're not a learner, because it's like in any relationship. I can't say I love you if I don't know you. And whether it's with God or whether it's with our spouse or with our children or whoever, the day we stop wanting to learn about the people that we love and stop getting to go deeper with them is the day that your relationship begins to, to fizzle out. There always needs to be that fascination and that desire to know more and to go deeper because that's what creates greater intimacy. And so just over the years, it's the more that I've read the scriptures, the more that I've seen how it just brings transformation and how it brings life. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote this book. You know, we want people to have that road to Emmaus experience where Jesus after the resurrection in disguise, two of the disciples dejected, walking back home, thinking it's all over. And he begins to open the scriptures, beginning with the Torah, the law, the writings and the prophets and shows how everything points to him. And we want people to see the, the whole story of the Bible. Many people don't know how the whole Bible fits together. And we want them to see it in high definition as well. Do you ever, so that, that reference that you're just making is, is from uh, Luke chapter 24. And do you ever uh, wish, so this is what I used to say to myself when I'd read that. That's one of my favorite portions of scripture. We get the highlights there, right? We get the overview, yeah. but don't you wish you could just sit and listen to that message being delivered? I used to think that for the longest time. I, I think, oh, I wish I could. And then it, then it dawned on me as I was reading through the book of Hebrews. I thought, well, don't we kind of have that explained for us if you just read through Hebrews? I, I feel like when you read through Hebrews, you see how all these things are pointing to Jesus all throughout the course of, of the Old Testament. It's all pointing to Jesus, and the writer of Hebrews kind of explains all of that. But I've always wished I could, I could sit and listen to that, to that message Jesus shared as they were walking in uh, Luke chapter 24. It's just a fascinating portion of Scripture. Oh, it would have I mean, I can't even imagine, right? But the good news is that in the kingdom, right, we're going to sit at his feet, and he's going to continue to show us for all eternity how these things fit together. But I think there's kind of two things that come to mind. I think one is that, you know, it says in the scriptures, it says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of a king to search it out. And I think what began on the road to Emmaus was not meant to end there. We have the Holy Spirit in us. That's the illuminator of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think as we're, we're royal sons and daughters of the king, God wants us to search these things out and search out these connections as part of our full inheritance that God wants to give to us. And, uh, you know, and, and, and that's how we see it in high definition when we, when we study and we make those connections. And I'll never forget one year I went out and I bought a high definition television right before the Super Bowl. I was so excited. Everyone's like, it's going to change the way you see the game. I'm like, yes, I finally got one. I splurge, right? I watched the whole game. I'm like, man, this isn't that great. I don't know what everyone's like, what all the hype's about. 
right? And then I had a, a revelation and a realization at the end of the game. I'm bored. I'm flipping through the channels, and I realize that the higher channels are the high definition channels. I watched the entire game <laughs> in standard definition, and I'm like, well, it really does make a difference if you get on the right station and see it in high definition. And I feel like that's what a lot of people they're reading the Bible in standard definition because they don't know how to connect it all together. And that's kind of what we're trying to do in Mysteries of the Messiah. I, I love it. I, I love the fact that, that you've taken the time to help people explore this. And I, I think you, you'll find this interesting. I had a, a very interesting conversation just this past Sunday afternoon with a friend. And um, and we were sitting down, and, and one of the things he was asking me about were just things related to the Scriptures. And um, he's not somebody that grew up with an understanding of that. He's not somebody that had anyone really explain that. And his comment to me was, when I'm looking at the Bible, I look at it as this giant book that I don't know what to do with. I'm looking at it as this, you know, this many, many chapters that I, I, I sit down with, if, if I even pick it up, and I feel intimidated by it. And I, I, I don't know, you know, how is this structured? What, what does this look like? What is the point of this? So if you, were, if you were in the midst of a conversation like that, where would you begin with someone like my friend? Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, it's why we wrote the book. I mean, I think the first thing is that the goal of all scripture is Messiah. It's Jesus, right? I mean, so, I mean, you know, that is the foundation. I mean, the rabbis even write, everything was written for the sake of the Messiah. I mean, you see this from the very first letter of the Hebrew Bible, right? The first word of Genesis 1-1 is Bereshit, beginning. It's B, bait in Hebrew. The last word of the book of Revelation is the word Amen. It's the last last letter is N or Nun in Hebrew. The first and last letter spell Ben like the name Benjamin, which means son, because from the first letter to the last letter, it all points to the son. And this even goes from the very first verse or the first messianic prophecy, which is the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And the whole Bible is raising the question, who is this promised seed that's going to reverse the curse, restore the blessing, fulfill the covenants, bring the promises. Uh, And that's at the heart of what it is. That obviously is number one. Yeah. And and so often uh, that's fantastic. And and thank you for sharing that, because I think so many people think that the Bible is just a a disconnected book of of rules and heroes and maybe life lessons, but they don't see the grand narrative. And I I wonder, too, if, if you could share for us how your Jewish background has helped you to understand the message of redemption, some of the the subtleties that, that you even bring up in, in what you just shared. I, it, it seems to me like your Jewish background has been immensely helpful in bringing clarity to some of those things. Yeah, it has, because I mean, as, as a Jewish kid growing up, the foundation of what we studied were the five books of Moses known as the Torah. And so really the Torah is the foundation for all of scripture. I mean, when Jesus went to worship on Saturday morning, he was going, he took the scrolls. You know, the first thing that would have read was a reading from the book, one of the five books of Moses that was read through uh, today, every year in his time, every three and a half years. And the prophets is read as well. But an example of that, for example, so whenever I think about anything in the new Testament, I always say, okay, where does this connect back to in the old? What is it trying to fulfill? Where is the point? Where is the bridge that is bringing the two together? And so, for example, you know, obviously the the symbol of Christianity is the cross. But the question is, of all the ways Jesus could have died, you know, why does he have to die on a cross? I mean, 
God is intentional. There, there's nothing that happens by accident in the scripture. And so why does he have to die on a cross? Well, think about it for a moment. How does sin enter the world? The first man and woman stole from the tree. So God puts back on the tree for you and me to undo what was done in the garden of Eden. Why are his hand? Why is Jesus hands pierced? Because it was our hands that stole from the tree. Why is his side pierced? Because who is the one who led him into temptation? The first man, it was Eve. Eve was the one taken from the side. So he's making an atonement, not only for Adam, but also for Eve. Why are his feet pierced? Because what's the first messianic prophecy? The seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent, right? Satan's like, you think you're going to crush my head. He's the original OG, the original gangster. He's like, I'm going to nail your feet to the cross. He's trying to foil the plan of God. He's actually fulfilling it. He has a crown of thorns on his head. Why? Because what's the sign of the curse of creation? The ground will produce thorns and thistles. He's literally taking the curse of creation on his head to reverse it and to restore the blessing. And you can look at it from Adam, or we can look at it from Moses in the past. I mean, there's just so many different ways the Old Testament foreshadows and connects to what Jesus did. That's that's excellent. And I, I have a, a strong suspicion that some of our listeners right now are just having light bulbs go off in <laughs> their thinking. You know, they're really just realizing some of these deeper connections that you're trying to help us understand as we look at the scriptures, and I, I find that immensely helpful. By the way, do you ever just sit back and marvel at some of the doors that the Lord's been opening up for you during this season of your life to represent him? Oh, I mean, I, I, the, the, the grace and the goodness of God. I mean, just, just a little background to that. I mean, you know, it's interesting that a number of years ago, God said to me, Jason, uh, I'm going to take you through a season of Joseph. It's not exactly what you is. I'm going to, I'm going to take you through the pits and the prisons. I'm going to strip you. I'm going to humble you. And in that time, we actually talk about it in the book because, you know, one of the Moses is one of the great pictures of the Messiah in the old Testament as it God promises Deuteronomy 18, 18, I'll raise up a prophet like Moses. So the Messiah is going to be a second Moses a greater than Moses. And one of the things that was great about Moses was his humility. He was the humblest man in all the earth, we read in the book of Numbers. And so, so and Jesus was obviously even embodied that even more. And so I have this dream. And in this dream, I'm at a premiere in Hollywood. And these giant floodlights are taken out of the sky and put on me. And I become blinded and it hurts my eyes. And I said, please take the lights off of me. And in this dream, I hear God's voice say to me, Jason, if you ever try and take my light and put it on yourself, you will be blinded. As long as you keep the light on me and you remain small in your own sight, you'll remain significant in mine. And so like we like the promise, but we have to go through the process. And I feel like because there's so many people that God has given amazing opportunities and they've fallen. I mean, some even recently, some of my heroes I know. in the faith, right? It, it, devastating. It is and devastating. it's, you know, and it's heartbreaking and it's such a, a, a bad testimony and a desecration. He was called Halul Hashem, a desecration of God's name. But I think if we haven't been broken, if we haven't been humbled, it's very easy, you know, to fall in that direction. So I'm grateful that that season preceded the opportunity that God first gave me to write that book with Kathy Lee Gifford, The Rock, The Road and The Rabbi, which became a New York Times bestseller. And then, to get involved 
helping the chosen TV series get off the ground. I've been the spiritual advisor on that since before episode one was even filmed to Dallas Jenkins and the crew to Israel to film all these little videos over there and have been involved and have a TV series called the chosen unveiled, which is on TBN and now writing rock road and rabbi, and then, uh, you know, getting ready to do some more with Kathy Lee, some more exciting things and some other opportunities. So God has just been blessing and I'm grateful, but I can tell you there's been a lot of lean years of famine and some pits and prisons, (laughs) which wasn't fun, but I'm grateful for (laughs) Yeah, it's just it's just amazing that the the doors that the Lord can open up once we're seasoned, once we're ready. You know, he he took you through that that season of preparation and said, "Okay, I'm going to fill your mind, I'm going to fill your heart, I'm going to fill your cup with experiences here, and I'm going to tenderize you, I'm going to prepare you, and then I'm going to open up doors, but I'm going to keep your heart sensitive to my leading in the process." I, I think that that's a, a really cool testimony, and I'm grateful to hear your heart on that, because it's obvious that the Lord during this season is opening up these doors, and, and it seems to me what you're communicating is that you're trying to be a faithful steward of what the Lord's entrusting to you right now, and, and I truly appreciate hearing that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think within that, you know, just, and again, we, it, it's one of my favorite uh, things in the book, which is that you know, Moses goes up Mount Sinai and he gets the first set of tablets. And, and we're not that far from Pentecost. It's just around the corner. We're not far from, we're in the countdown from Passover to Pentecost of 50 days. And Moses goes up and he actually gets a set of, you know, he gets the set of the 10 commandments first that he comes down on Pentecost as called Shavuot in Hebrew. And he sees the children of Israel committing the sin of the golden calf and he smashes the tablets and, you know, he has to intercede on behalf of the people so the Lord doesn't bring judgment upon them and wipe them out and start again with him. And he winds up going up the mountain a second set, second time and comes down with a second set of tablets. And the amazing thing about that is that it points to the first and second coming of the Messiah, right? Mm. The broken set of tablets is like the first coming. Jesus was broken for us because of our idolatry, because of our sin, just like those first set of tablets. And the second set of tablets represent his second coming when he will, out of the fragmentation of this world, he'll bring wholeness. He'll bring the kingdom, everything the way that it should be, which is just, a beautiful picture, but on a very personal level, right? The first set of tablets were written by the finger of God. You just don't throw away something that's written with God's handwriting, right? I mean, you're not going to just toss those, hey, I'll just toss those to the side, right? (laughs) So from a Jewish perspective, the first set of tablets were placed in the ark. The broken set were placed in the ark of the covenant with the whole set. And every time the ark would move, they'd hear the rumbling of the broken set of tablets, And what that was meant to be a reminder of is God brings wholeness out of brokenness. And there's nothing as whole as a broken heart. You know, I say, don't ever trust a leader that doesn't walk with a limp, right? An unbroken leader is not someone you want to follow. Like, I mean, all of us should be broken in some way. And and the Lord wants us to give him the broken dreams. He wants us to give him the broken relationships. He wants us to give him the broken, you know, the broken parts of our health. He wants us to give him everything that is broken and God can bring wholeness out of brokenness and he can bring blessing out of the brokenness if we're just willing to give him those things. Hmm. 
powerful testimony. And uh, do you ever do you ever feel like the Lord puts certain people in your life to just kind of keep your heart tender in that way? Yeah, abs- absolutely. I mean, I think he places people in our life. I think he places situations in our lives that we have to go through. And Almost some like of those checkup. Pe- <laughs> yeah, and 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 some of those people are like people that you love that are just those people that love you and hold you accountable and speak truth in your life. And some of those people are those people that are just the thorn in your flesh. <laughs> and it's just a matter of how you're going to react to them. And some days it's better than others. But, well, I'm, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure as, as someone, you know, you, you put yourself out there, you're, you're doing things in the public eye, you're writing, you're speaking. I'm sure you're on the receiving end of, of plenty of critique or plenty of criticism. Give us some advice on how you deal with that when you receive that. Yeah. I mean, again, I think that one of the things, again, going back to that idea about humility mm-hmm. is I think the best definition of humility is, you know, occupying the right amount of space. Pride is occupying too much space. Uh, false humility, which I think a lot of people struggle with, is not occupying the fullness of the promise in the place that God has prepared for you. And so God in this season wants us to occupy our promise. And so I think that that in that, what I've learned is that it's my responsibility to be faithful, to do and to occupy what God has placed before it. Look, Jesus died on the cross. He paid such a high price for our salvation, but he also purchased our promise and potential, like everything that we have the potential to become, everything everything necessary for life and godliness he's purchased for us he's purchased a mission a purpose to partner with him in the calling that he's placed upon our lives and i have to be faithful to him and not faith and, and doesn't and, you know and to some extent as, although it's not easy i have to tune out what other people say because i don't answer to them i answer to the lord mm-hmm. and i think within that process of learning humility and 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 being broken a part of that was understanding that i have to die to myself like i've never gone to a funeral looked at the person in the coffin and be like man they don't look so hot that dead body has never taken offense right you know <laughs> dead people don't take offense right, right. so when we die to, when we like truly learn to die to ourselves and it's and it's like it's a lifelong process it's a daily process right you don't take offense because i'm dead right it's it's about him right it's not about me and it is what it is it doesn't mean that sometimes it doesn't hurt doesn't mean that it always feels good but at the end of the day honestly it's not about how many books I sell. It's not about whether people like me or don't like me or like what people say or don't like what people, what I have to say. The reality is, is that it's about him and I'm just going to try and be faithful to do my best to honor him and to glorify him. I'll do great sometimes and I'll, and I'll suck it up sometimes. And that's just <laughs> the way it is. It's just life. Yeah. I, I, so. I, uh, I bring that up because I, I, I think, there are probably plenty of our listeners who feel like they have a calling or an unction to maybe write or to speak or to represent Christ in some way, but maybe the fear of man is kind of hindering them from the ability to do that or, or the, the willingness to kind of throw themselves out there. And, and here you are, you're, you're doing that. And when you do that at times, you, you do take some arrows, but at the same time, look at what gets accomplished for the Lord's glory. You seek to be faithful 
and you, you represent him. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I like the counsel that you give to someone in that spot. Yeah. And I just want to encourage everyone to listen. So what I didn't share about my, in my testimony is that I got in a lot of trouble in high school. I actually dropped out of high school. I was probably voted the least likely to succeed in life. Right. And so the reality is, is like, I never thought I'd write a book. Right. I mean, I don't, I honestly like writing a book for me is I, I only way I can describe is maybe it's like a woman. It's like having a baby. <laughs> it's like, it's a, it's, it's a painful process. Right. Um, and so, yeah. So if I can do it, like, God, I mean, and again, just God called me to do it. And so it just, I had to be fake. I resisted it for a long time. Um, you know, and I had to struggle with my own fears and insecurities but one of the things that God had to teach me in, in all of this whole process of going through this transformation process was that, you know what, God wants us to move from fear to faith and from faith to trust. And I realized that one of the, at the root of many fears, at the root of fears, fear is lies. Mm -hmm. Like, what are the lies that we're believing? We're not good enough. We're not gifted enough, whether it's voices from people from the past or the own internal lies that we inner voices that we hear in our own mind, you know, we need to take every thought captive. Mm -hmm. We can't give in to those fears. Right. And, and, and if we're going to really, and part of faith is spelled R I S K mm -hmm. true faith involves risk. Mm -hmm. We got to be willing to step out and step out of the boat like Peter did. And, and sometimes we'll it. sink and go for it. And it's, yeah. in the, and that's the, what I've learned is that it's not, it's not in my hands how successful something is going to be. Mm -hmm. All I can do is, 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 is put it out there, do my best to faithfully be faithful to what he's asked me to do. And the results are up to him. Mm -hmm. But I'd also say that success isn't determined by the numbers. Like just because if someone writes up, if you write a book and it doesn't sell that great, or you give a message and millions of people don't listen to it, it's not about that, right? It's like God has a, appointed times and places and people that he brings in our life. And listen, even if it impacts one life mm -hmm. or 10 lives, wasn't it worth it? Wouldn't it have been worth it? It was your life that was impacted. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. By the way, do you have, do you have a football team that you like? You mentioned football earlier. Do you have a team? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, these days, <laughs> I grew up a Giants fan. Okay. I grew up a Giants fan. So, yeah. So, so, so we, we could still be friends because I'm, I, I'm an Eagles fan. All right. But I, I lived I, in, listen, I lived in Southern Jersey when I moved from <laughs> North Jersey to Southern Jersey. I thought everyone likes the Giants or the Jets, right? I didn't know. It's a suburb of Philly. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know that the rest of the world was out there rooting for other teams. But I, I bring that up, not not to joke that we uh, root for rival teams, although I guess that is kind of funny. But the um, but one thing, um, so, you know, the, the Eagles for the past few years, our quarterback was Carson Wentz. And yeah. um, and I say I say our right as if I have like a vested interest in the team, you know, like like uh, <laughs> our I, I think the team ownership would be like, oh, really? I didn't know that you bought into investing in this team, <laughs> but uh, emotionally I'm invested. Um, right. Well, so one of the things that you, something you reminded me of. Um, you know, Carson, he's a believer in the Lord. And, and one of the things that, that he uh, promotes is this idea of having an audience of one and the yeah. idea of, you know, the fact that 
whatever we do, we want to do for Christ's glory, you know, that audience of one. So you, you mentioned, you know, the idea of stepping out on faith, uh, accepting the risk to do the thing that the Lord calls us to do. And we just have that reminder, you know, we have the audience of one there. We're doing this for his glory and um, and not in some way to, to you know, uh, assume glory unto ourselves. And so if if, you know, the fear of man is getting in the way of us actually doing the things that the Lord's called and equipped us to do, that's something that we we certainly should submit over to the Lord and say, all right, Lord, let's take that step of faith. Let's do the thing that you've called me to do. And it's interesting to hear your testimony because it's obvious that the Lord's having you do things that you didn't foresee that you were going to be doing, but now here you are. Yeah. And I think part of the way to overcoming fear is, and we talk about it in Mysteries of the Messiah, right, is understanding, you know, we talk about in the chapter of creation, that Messiah in creation, one of the things we talk about is how everything God's made, he made with wisdom. And therefore, if everything God's made, he made with wisdom, that you're made with wisdom. Hmm. So if you think that you're incapable, not worthy, stupid, you're not just criticizing yourself, you're criticizing the creator, Hmm. the one who made you and the one who gave his life to redeem you and purchase you as his own. But part of so knowing that and knowing your you know identity is destiny knowing who you are in the lord is one of the most important things uh, we need to understand and really believe you know and and we talk about it in the mysteries of the messiah like i tell this personal story where one day i was getting ready and i heard i was having my devotions and lord spoke to me says jason you're my favorite son and when you go out there i want you to tell people you're my favorite son i'm like thank you lord that i'm your favorite son that feels really good but there's no way i'm going out there and telling people i'm your favorite son because they're going to think i'm either nuts or prideful i don't know what's going to happen how that's going to go over and uh he said jason he goes listen he goes i'm a father and you're a father but i'm not a father like you're a father he goes i'm an infinite father he goes, I can have an infinite number of number one sons and daughters. Who do you love more, your older son or your younger son? And he goes, I love them both. He goes, exactly. They're all my favorite. And he said, Jason, the reason why you're afraid to tell people that you're my favorite is not because you're scared of what they might think, because you say a lot of things that people might not like. But the reason is you don't really believe that I could love you enough that you could be my number one. And I think that's what each and every one of us have to understand. We are his number one. You are his number one. You are a royal son of the king. And he is going to help you and empower you and equip you to fulfill every promise and purpose that he has for your life. You can do it. I, I love it. That's that's great counsel. And uh, you, you you shared that in the book, you you. Uh, are focused on the fact that the Lord has done what he's done with wisdom. And I'm just curious, how do you hope that the Lord uses Mysteries of the Messiah? How do you hope that he uses this book? What have you prayed uh, about and asked him to do with this work? Yeah, I mean, really, my goal is, and everything is, not just information, but wisdom that leads to transformation, wisdom and revelation that leads to transformation. That's my desire. When people read this book, I want them to fall fall more in love with Jesus, more in love with the word, seeing it's not boring, that there's mysteries, there's connections. 
there, there's things that we can, that he wants to show each and every one of us and gives us unique insight to it. Hearts burn within us. And really, I want to see people completely changed and come to know Jesus in a, either in a new way or for the first time. It's an amazing testimony I just got was that there was a, a young man who had who'd been raised in a Christian family, walked away from the Lord, was working in a restaurant, and a guy would come in and, and built a relationship with him and one day he came in and he said i got this new book i want to tell you about and he started to share with them about mysteries of the messiah this kid goes home and says to his parents man uh this is a really amazing book i'm just blown away by the connections can you track it down it's some rabbi something about mysteries so the parents wound up researching it get the book um and it turns out that one of my team members it's a, his childhood friend oh wow that he'd been praying for for years and they had no idea of the connections and the kid, you know, basically said to his parents Easter Sunday after five years of not going to, to church, Hey, can I go to church with you? So, I mean, that's the type of stories we love. That's the reason why we do what we do is to see lives impacted like that. I love it. I love it. All right. You ready? You ready for a few fun questions as we finish up here? Yeah. All right. These aren't as consequential as the important things that we talked about, but they're fun. (laughs) All right. All right. First of all, let's talk about uh, Kathy Lee real quick. What's your favorite part of working together with Kathy Lee Giver? Oh, my goodness. You know, Kathy is the real deal. She loves the Lord. She loves the word. And she is one of the sweetest, funniest. I mean, she's so I mean, she she's a di- dynamo. So just always, always, la- always laugh around her. There's always something funny going on. Uh, she's just a big personality. It's just, it's just a joy uh, to have the, the, you know, to have fun with her. And it's great. I mean, we do a, we usually do a monthly Bible study together and working on some more stuff. So it's always fun, both her passion for the word and her fun personality. It's always great. Always joking. That's awesome. All right. Another question. This one is even more random. All right. What is your favorite style or brand of pens? So this is a good question for a writer. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, that's a great question. I like uh, Mont Blanc is always a nice one to be able okay. to sign your books with, yeah. <laughs> but on the pricey side, right. But uh, you know, definitely. And then, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, and then I just, you know, usually use like a Sharpie when I sign books, <laughs> but okay. uh, you know, today, right. I mean, it's, I mean, I do everything on the computer. You're typing most things. <laughs> typing yeah, away, typing away. Yeah. <laughs> Unless I'm signing books, then uh, yeah, sometimes I make some notes on paper, but yeah. All right. All right. Final, final inconsequential question. Uh, what's a, a, a quirky habit that you have that you think you'd like to keep? And what's one that you'd like to get rid of? Oh, man, a quirky habit. Well, I don't know if it's a quirky, maybe it's quirky. <laughs> I like to rap for fun. Oh yeah. Nice. <laughs> I have an inner rapper. So sometimes I drive my kids crazy because whenever we have like special family dinners, like every Friday night we do the Sabbath meal together. And so I always have to rap. And sometimes like, sometimes they love it. Sometimes they're like, dad, say, just when they were it. younger, they probably, they probably thought it was great. And now they're probably like, dad, this, just stop, just stop. <laughs> All right. So that one you're keeping. Okay. All right. Yeah, what, do, what are you getting uh, rid of? Yeah. You got a quirky habit you want to get rid of? Oh, I'm sure there's something. Um, 
It's a good one. You 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 stumped the. That's kind of like a stumper. That that that's hard. Yeah. That's hard. Like I even I even thought when I was putting that together, I thought I I, I thought you know what? Um, th- this is one. I I'm not even sure that I would immediately be able to answer that right off the top of my head either. I, I'll I'll tell you like one, one thing I do is I ha- when I travel, mm-hmm. I have to bring my own pillow. Oh yeah. Okay. So that's like, you know, I'm very particular about my pillows. So nice. it'd be nice not to have to schlep a big, like a, my pillow with me. Cause I have more room in my <laughs> Almost luggage. Almost like you have an extra thing of luggage, you know, if you're, if you're traveling, you're trying to bring the pillow with you. Oh, oh that's good. All right. That's, that counts. That, that, that's good information. All right. So those of you that, that have been following Rabbi Jason Sobel, now that you know that, that he wraps and he brings his own pillow. So uh, you, you've really just humanized yourself to us uh, even more. So uh, if people would like to learn more about you and more about your book and the work that they, that you do, where can they go to find out some more? Yeah. Fusionglobal.org. You can get free weekly teachings that we send out links to videos and our Israel tours and all of that there. And also other books, resources, classes, Uh, but also you can check out uh, mysteries of the Messiah book.com. And uh, on that website, there's some extra materials that are available. If you purchase the book through there, uh, some, some great, some great additional gifts that, that come with the book or of course, Amazon, anywhere books are sold, you can catch it. Absolutely. I saw you have a Bible study available there as well at, um, at mysteries of the Messiah book.com. Yeah. We've got a six part uh, video series uh, with a study guide, which is great for individuals or Sunday schools or small groups. Yeah, absolutely. That's Excellent. coming out soon. And there's an audible version of the book. So, yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, Rabbi Sobel, it was a true pleasure to have you on Dwell on These Things today. It was great to get to know you better. Really grateful for your clear articulation of the message of the gospel and how you're trying to help people connect an, an understanding of the full message of Scripture and how it all points to Jesus. That's a that's a truth that's, that's uh, uh, really dear to my heart, and I know it's dear to many of our listeners as well. And the way the Lord's using you to articulate that and the doors that He's opening up for you to do that, we really and truly hope that that, that effort is blessed and that he continues to give you great opportunities to represent him. Well, thank you so much. It's, man, it was great being with you. You're awesome. And I just say, Sim shalom that just establishes peace, mercy, goodness, kindness, and blessing over you, and just continue to have even greater impact with uh, your podcast. It's awesome. Well, thank you, Rabbi. Pleasure to have you with us today, and we hope you have a wonderful day. Shalom, shalom. Hey friend, I'm Brooke McLaughlin, host of the Everyday Prayers Podcast, a ministry of million praying moms. And I'm here to invite you to partner with God for the hearts of your children on the daily. Our goal at Everyday Prayers is to help moms understand and pray God's word. Join us each weekday as we share insights from God's word for today's Christian mom. Tune in to the Everyday Prayers Podcast in your favorite app or by visiting lifeaudio.com.